Hi folks, welcome back to the State Tax Show. I'm Matt Hunsaker. Today we explore the Tax Injunction Act, which is much more exciting than the name may suggest. Last week, I found myself in federal district court. Those of you who are familiar with the topic for today may be scratching your head wondering what I was doing there. Well, nothing terribly exciting. I've had a lot of cases in Oklahoma over the last few years, and the time has just come that I really need to bite the bullet and get licensed there. So I was in federal district court to meet with a judge to give me the Oklahoma oath of attorney. When we finished with that procedure, I had some time to kill before my next meeting. So I asked him if I could sit in on the next matter in his courtroom. I wasn't sure if there would be room with COVID spacing and some of those related procedures, but there was, so I went and grabbed a seat in the back of the room. I could tell right away that this was a criminal matter. What gave it away was there was a man right in front of me in shackles and a prison jumpsuit and a handful of U.S. Marshals nearby. Over on my left was the family, and they were quite upset. You see, this was the sentencing hearing for this man who had been caught up in some very high-level and serious drug trafficking. He had already pled guilty and now today it was time for his sentence. I'm bringing this up because I've always thought that I would enjoy being a judge, especially after clerking with the U.S. Tax Court for a couple years. But that all changed in a few quick moments when I saw the tough spot this judge was in, having to decide just how many years to take this man away from his family. This man had several teenage kids in the courtroom who were crying, and It just really broke my heart to see it. So I don't know if I would be able to impartially give a sentence like this judge did. So I will temper my judicial ambitions and keep them strictly to tax tribunals where everyone goes home at the end of the day. While I was at the court, I thought to myself, I haven't done a podcast on the Federal Tax Injunction Act. Now, maybe I touched on it in discussing the DMA case, but that was ages ago. So I think it's time that we do a high-level rundown of what the act is all about. And that's what I'm going to refer to it as today, the act. The act, which really has its roots in the 11th Amendment and some historic disparity between court access for residents as opposed to non-residents, It's been around since the 1930s, and if you want to look it up, it is now codified at 28 U.S.C. section 1341. But I'm going to save you the hassle, and I'm just going to read it to you. It's pretty short. The district courts shall not enjoin, suspend, or restrain the assessment, levy, or collection of any tax under state law where a plain, speedy, and efficient remedy 
may be had in the courts of such state. I know that's a mouthful, but basically what the act does is it prevents you from taking your state tax assessments to federal district court and kicks you back to state court. I mean, that's really what it's all about. And everything else we'll talk about today is how to get around the act at the margins. Really, the upshot of the act is that as a practical matter, you are stuck with state courts unless you somehow are one of the very few who are able to get the golden ticket to the U.S. Supreme Court. So let's chat about a few exceptions that should be on your mind if you are looking to roll into federal court with your state tax case. The first is that the act applies only to taxes. It does not apply to fees or penalties. So the first step to getting around the act is to see if what you are paying, no matter what it may be called, is actually a tax or if it might be more appropriately called a fee. We don't have time to get into the specific differences between a tax and a fee, but in general terms, a tax is revenue that's put to general public use, and a fee is kind of like a, I don't know, a pay-to-play or price of admission that you have to pay to get a certain governmental benefit. Let me give you an example. A while back, the ACLU was able to take a case involving a $1,000 charge to lobbyists to federal court. And they're able to because the court held that this $1,000 charge to the lobbyists was not a tax, but rather a fee to offset the cost of regulating the lobbying industry. In addition to fees, I also mentioned penalties. Federal courts have held that they can hear cases addressing penalties. And carving out penalties makes some sense in that they are really fees trying to get taxpayers to comply and are not intended to raise revenues for general purpose use. But it's a little tricky because your case can't simply be, I don't owe the penalties because I didn't owe the tax. You have to come up with some other reason for why the penalty was inappropriate. Next topic. If you go back to the language of the act, you will see that it does not prevent a federal court from hearing cases involving state taxes. They just can't enjoin, suspend, or restrain assessment, levy, or collection. So there are some situations where the tax may be an issue, but the case doesn't involve trying to get the court to stop the tax from being imposed. Let's give you some examples. There have been some discrimination cases where, for example, a taxpayer attacks tax credits provided to other taxpayers as discriminatory. So the case directly involves the tax, but the litigant is not asking the court to prevent the tax from being imposed. It is attacking the regime as inappropriately benefiting some third parties. This might still be unclear, so how about one more example? There was a case a while back in the Sixth Circuit where the court heard a taxpayer's challenge against a rule that prevented it from separately stating a tax on a bill to customers. Again, in this case, the tax was not challenged. They were still going to pay the tax. What they were challenging was this rule about preventing it from displaying the tax to its customers. 
One of the most interesting recent cases involving the contours of the act was the DMA case that went up to the U.S. Supreme Court. That case involved the Colorado sales tax reporting statute, you know, basically the one that required remote sellers with no collection responsibility to annually report purchaser information to Colorado, presumably so Colorado could then go after the purchasers for use tax. Now that we're a couple of years removed from Wayfair, doesn't DMA seem like ancient history? Well, in any event, Direct Marketing Association, that's where we get the DMA from, filed for an injunction against this requirement to report purchaser information, and they got it. The Tenth Circuit, however, on appeal, on its own, brought up the act and said that the act barred DMA's challenge to the reporting regime in federal court. The case, as you know, eventually went up to the U.S. Supreme Court, and that court unanimously held that the terms assessment, levy, or collection refer to three distinct phases of the taxation process that, quote, do not include information notices or private reports of information relevant to tax liability. In other words, Colorado's law did not involve the assessment, levy, or collection of taxes, and so DMA's case could be heard in federal court. There are also some narrow circumstances out there where you can remove a collection suit to federal court if the state is bringing its own affirmative suit. You know, they're on the offense. In this case, the taxpayer is not suing. It is being sued. Of course, you still have to meet jurisdictional requirements to get into federal court, so that is often a hurdle. Let's move on and talk about what I think is the biggest angle of attack in getting around the act and having the court hear substantive arguments against the tax assessment. If you remember, the language of the act says that it only applies where a plain, speedy, and efficient remedy may be had in the courts of such state. There have been a few times where taxpayers, and and I'll just reiterate a few times, have been successful in arguing that state court couldn't offer plain, speedy, and efficient remedies. Let me give you some examples. Back in 1952, there was this case where the U.S. Supreme Court said that requiring a taxpayer to file more than 300 separate actions to fix one tax issue was not efficient. And as a result, the federal court could hear the case. Another is where a court ruled a tax illegal, but the state continued to collect it. And I think this may come up in digital advertising cases that are bound to come up in states that enact taxes that fly in the face of the Permanent Internet Tax Freedom Act. But that's for another day. In another interesting case, the Third Circuit concluded that because the Virgin Islands, and as an aside, it does appear now that the act does apply to territories. Because the Virgin Islands Tax Review Board met infrequently and had shabby records and this huge case backlog, that the taxpayers didn't have a good remedy and could come into district court. The more recent AF Moore case is another great example, and it's worth a read if this is a topic that interests you. 
Now, before you get all excited about the prospect of going to federal court, you also have to understand that the courts may ultimately decline to hear the case under the comedy doctrine. Not sure what comedy is? Well, join the club. It can be very a very confusing doctrine. The U.S. Supreme Court has described the doctrine as reflecting, and this is a quote here, a proper respect for state functions, a recognition of the fact that the entire country is made up of a union of separate state governments, and a continuance of the belief that the national government will fare best if the states and their institutions are left free to perform their separate functions in separate ways. I tell you this because it is important to understand that the act is not the only bar to getting into federal court. You may find an avenue through the act, but that at the end of the day, the court may conclude that under comedy, it, it would be more appropriate nonetheless for the case to be heard in state court. I hope that this episode helped you to understand the Tax Injunction Act. If I failed, or if you have any follow-up questions, as always, feel free to drop me a line. I'll be back next Monday with a new episode. Until then, have yourselves a great week. The State Tax Show Podcast is produced by Baker and Hostetler, LLP, and is for informational purposes only. It is intended to inform our clients and other friends of the firm about current legal developments of general interest. Issues discussed should not be construed as legal advice, and listeners should not act upon the information contained in this podcast without professional counsel. In some jurisdictions, this podcast may constitute attorney advertising. Please visit BakerLaw.com for more information about our practices and experience.